Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the challenges of ethical gathering. And if you're an educator and you're running a nature program or a camp or a forest school or a wilderness education program or craft, there's always the question of how do you get your materials? Now, sometimes if you are on the East Coast of North America, where we live, Hawk Circle in Cherry Valley up in the Catskills, the the plants and the shrubbery and the trees, everything here grows in an incredible rate. So for example, if I go out and I go, hey, I'm going to make willow arrow shafts with a bunch of kids, and we get 40 arrow shafts out of a big clump of willows down by our stream that are growing beautiful and straight and everything else. Honestly, (laughs) in a year from now, we could go in and gather 40 more. In fact, we could probably take three times that. We could probably take 200 arrow shafts a year out and never even know that that, that they were missing, you know, because it's a sustainable regrowth process. I remember one time we were gathering materials to make baskets and we were getting red osier dogwood, which is kind of a very flexible uh, willow-like material. It's just like a willow shaft for making baskets and we were going to be using them for something. I can't remember what, maybe a fish trap or something like that. And, you know, some of the staff were like, oh, we shouldn't gather all this here. This is really something that we, we could be taking all of this, the good stuff of this plant and what will happen if we, if we take a lot of it. And I, I was kind of stumped for a minute because I was just like, okay, I'm in the middle of trying to get all this stuff. I had a lot of things going on in my head and I had thought this through, but I didn't really have an answer immediately. And then I just told her, number one, we're cutting some of these things down and they, it is like giving this bush a haircut. Like it is going to grow immediately back out within a year to two years. This will be like we never re- were even here. And I said, so that's number one. We're not killing the plant. And then number two, I said, let's walk over here. And we walked about 15 feet away and I saw, I pointed to, to the ground where there were all of these little stumps of red osier dogwood where a beaver had come down along the creek and had cut and chewed all these red osiers right there and dragged them into the creek and, you know, used them for food or whatever. And I said, the beavers are using this. They use it the same way we do. They come in, they cut, and then this all grows right back up. So it's something that is this particular plant in this particular situation in this environment is a very sustainable crop. And at the same time, we don't want to take all of the bushes because we don't, we want to leave some for the beavers. We want to leave some for the plant to regenerate and regrow. So you're, you're absolutely right to be thinking of this. And it was a great teaching moment for the whole group and helped me to slow down and help them understand what we were doing and why. Because sometimes in the rush of everything, people are like, I want to get a really good arrow shaft. And that's, that's their objective is me, me, me. What do I need? How can I do this? And they're not necessarily thinking like, hey, we're going in and we're going to be selecting something and taking something from the land, taking something from a tree or a shrub or a plant 
And so we kind of have to learn how to slow down enough to really be careful and also to think it through, look at the resource for a few minutes and say, is this resource in a position to recover from whatever we take from this? And maybe we've taken enough over the last three years, we'll just switch to a different area. Let's go to a different area. Let's hike for a quarter mile and go to another area where we can get the same stuff and just give this one a rest. And I remember one time there was a boy and he was sawing a, a branch of a tree and he was like, he was starting to saw. And I said, hey, wh wh what are you looking for? And he goes, oh, I got to get a, a stick for my throwing stick. And I said, oh, you know what? There's two things I was going to ask. I said, let me just point out two things. One is there's another branch right there that fell down in a storm. That would actually make an awesome throwing stick. And it's right there. It's like five feet away. And I said, look at the other side of this. Look at down the stick. You're looking at this one section of wood right in front of your face. But I said, follow the branch down a little further. And we, we follow, he followed it with his eyes. And then he saw that there was a nest in the branches sitting there and there was a, you know, at the same time, there was a, a mother bird just screaming away. I think it was a cat bird just going crazy. And that's the reason why I came over. I was like, what's happening over here? And I saw that and he was like, oh my gosh. He goes, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And I go, it's okay. I said, the main thing is you didn't cut anything yet. And why don't we go here and like really quietly get this other branch and then let this mom do her thing. And so we did that and it worked out really well. So all of these things, when you have these experiences are good teaching moments where you're understanding a little bit more about the fact that we're going into nature's home and gathering something and being respectful and being really careful. Like you would hope if somebody came into your home and wanted to borrow some sugar or, you know, use a tool or whatever. Number one, you want to be asked. You want to not be taken for granted. You want to also come in and be respectful and all of those things. It gets interesting because many times children have never had to think about asking for something in that way from nature. And I'm not really heavy handed like this. Like I don't, I don't, you know, try to push the children to say thank you a out loud to me and or in other words, making me happy as opposed to feeling that gratitude inside themselves. And I also want to make sure that I'm just presencing that and role modeling that more than anything. And, you know, I'm also very careful not to imply that, you know, oh, we're bad because we're coming in and we're cutting these branches out and we're, we're destroying nature and we're hurting nature. We want to do our very best to coexist and work together with nature. So we try to role model those behaviors and we never want them to go away feeling bad about themselves. Like I didn't want that boy who was trying to cut that branch to feel bad. And I said, you know, afterwards we were walking back with, to the camp and I said, hey, that, you know, I'm so glad that we saw that. I said, did you hear that bird screaming? He goes, yeah, I didn't know what that was. And I go, hey, that was an alarm call. And that bird was freaking out. And he's like, yeah, he goes, that would have been really bad. He goes, I would have felt so terrible. And I said, but you didn't. I said, so now you have a story. Every time you go to gather something, you can just look a little, look around a little bit. And if you do that, you're going to be uh, miles ahead. This is going to be great for you. And so it was, it was awesome. We're talking mostly right now just about the East Coast or uh, of North America, or probably if you live like in a tropical rainforest, or if you live in, a, in any place where it's very temperate, where there's adequate rainfall and lots of sunlight and moisture and good soil you're going to have 
lots and lots of plants and mushrooms and trees and all kinds of shrubbery all competing to grow in your environment. And it's okay to go in and gather things selectively and have almost zero impact. Like there is an impact, but it's it's not a, a destructive impact any more than say like an ice storm that can come through. We have that sometimes on the East Coast here in the winter where, you know, it rains and the, and the, and the trees are really cold and it's raining on top of that and everything gets coated with ice. And at a certain point, trees will just split in two or you know branches will just bend over with the with the weight of the ice to where they just break off and land on the ground and it really the the ice storms are very destructive to the trees but the forest is built for that eventuality it knows that every 20 years there's an ice storm it knows that the forest will then open up and any place where the sunlight is now able to hit the ground of that forest in that spot it will explode with elderberries blackberries <laughs> raspberries <laughs> mullen, milkweed, like all these seeds are in the ground all the time. And as soon as that sunlight hits it and there's moisture, it explodes like crazy in that spot. It's a, it's actually built that way. And it, when that happens, it, in a, especially in a mature forest where all the trees are really tall, when that ice storm breaks through, it actually provides a huge resource for all the animals that re- rely on eating the di- different buds and brows from those plants in the winter and or the berries and or the seeds. So all of these things, good things can happen from a destructive force that just opens up and works with the ecosystem in that way. So gathering is not necessarily bad. However, however, if you're somebody that's running a program and you are in California or in Arizona or in Colorado or Utah or Nevada or probably Idaho, Uh, Any of the Western states, and maybe even some of the prairie states, I I would imagine, because it gets real dry there. Texas, Oklahoma, like all these areas where it's in New Mexico, any place where you have like pretty dry conditions and a short growing season, a limited amount of willow, a limited amount of water, a limited amount of things. It's a completely different ballgame in those situations because now if you have access to a farm or a nature center and, you know, a piece of land where you're doing your programs, it's possible to go in to a an area and see the impact of cutting a tree down or a little shrub and come back like 10 years later and still see the stump where that tree died and it's just still sitting there and nothing has grown there since then because it's been really dry. Uh, that actually happened to me in uh, someplace in Utah. I remember pulling off the side of the road and getting a, a branch or something from a tree and I cut a, br- a branch down and... And then I came back like 10 years later and that branch, you know, I had taken the branch, but I could still see the stump of that. Nothing had grown in around it. Nothing grew underneath it. It was just like, okay, it's gone. And the forest is not recovering very fast. It, it, it will recover, but it might take like 100 years as opposed to, you know, if, that, if I had done that on my property here in the Catskills, uh, you know, in New York State, it would be gone. You wouldn't be able to see much evidence of it within three years. It, you, you could, as a tracker, you would notice, you could notice it and really search for those signs. But in three years, and especially in five years, you won't even know that it was there. So two very different ecosystems. So when you are working, if you're working in an environment where it's limited, where resources are limited, you know, leaves to gather and make debris shelters, grasses are limited, maybe where you don't have a lot of places to make grass blankets or to get firewood or whatever, 
you're going to maybe struggle with trying to figure out what can we do with my program and where do we get materials to make things. And the first thing I'll mention is when you have an outdoor program, make sure you have permission to gather if you're going to gather. So in other words, if you're running a forest program or a wilderness camp and you're on a farm, make sure that you say, hey, we're going to be teaching all about nature. And then they go, great, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. But the second thing you have to do is then say, is it okay if we do a, can we have a campfire? Can we have a place where, where can we get out of the rain? Where can we get drinking water? Where can we gather? You know, is it okay to take cattails from around the edge of the pond? Can we get weeds from the edge of the field? Like where we don't want you to assume that you can just go gather rocks from this rock pile or whatever it is without checking with them first. It's always better in a relationship to ask first and then beg for forgiveness later. Like it's better to do it in the beginning and make it part of your agreement and then and then continually check in and say, how's it going? Are you happy with what we're doing? Rather than to say, oh, we're just going to go with the kids and just do this and then find out later that now they're uncomfortable and they have to bring it up and they're really perturbed. It's way better to check first. And I'll give you an example of this. We've been running our programs here for, man, probably since 1999, I think, here at Hawk Circle in Cherry Valley. And prior to that, we were at a, at a Waldorf school and farm community running programs for eight years before that. And when, when I run programs here, typically I'm very involved in the camp and everything else. But sometimes we have staff that will show up and run programs or start working here, living here, doing work trade, learning about skills and nature skills and trading that for helping me get firewood and things like that. And when that happens, sometimes people will just go, oh, I need some sticks to make such and such. And they'll just walk out the door and walk over to wherever the edge of the lawn is and start just grabbing stuff. And because no one's around, they're like, oh, it must be okay. And they don't necessarily know that sometimes they grab a stick or at the top of a tree, and it's a tree that I planted like 15 years ago, and I've been taking care of it for a long time. But because they didn't ask me, now they just wasted all that time that I spent working on that, planting that tree and trying to nurture that to create a nice environment for my yard. So when something like that happens, I'm like, okay, now if I have anybody come here and stay here and they're kind of earth skilly type people, I have to make sure they know in no uncertain terms, do not gather materials right around the house. These do not gather from these areas because if you do, there's a chance you're going to take down something that's really important to me and that I will be upset. Not mad at them, but just let's avoid all that. So you really have to be proactive if it's your property. And if it's something where you're the person going to gather, it's, it really is a bad feeling if you realize, oh no, I, I hurt something that, you, that meant a lot to you. The only thing you can do at the end of that is to feel bad. But one thing you can do is to just say, hey, I was really wanting to make a whatever, a bow and arrow. Is it okay if I take that hickory sapling that's across the street? And I can be like, no, that's a hickory tree I planted. I'm hoping that that will give nuts someday because we don't have a lot of hickory trees here. <laughs> like, yeah, thank you for asking. That's not the right tree. Let me point you to an area where you can take, get all the really cool saplings that you need just walking a little ways away. So asking permission, very important. And the, the second thing I would say is think about the activities that you're going to be doing and then 
it's okay not to have to gather them at, from that property. So in other words, if you're going to make cattail mats and the farm there says, hey, we'd rather you didn't take the cattails from that pond or whatever, that's okay. You just need to go find another pond where there is cattails that you can then gather that where somebody, there's always somebody that will go, take all the cattails you want, please take them all. Someone will say that about milkweed. They'll say, hey, go along the edge of my field and get all the milkweed. Thank you. If you want to use that to make cordage after the after the monarch butterflies have gone and done their thing. You know, they, like there are people who have lots of land who are usually happy to donate, especially if they know it's for kids. So you don't want to just pull over the side of the road and grab something and not ask someone, especially if you're out west or whatever. They're just people have a sense of when someone's grabbing something on their land that they're not supposed to. And what would normally be something that they would be going like, hey, take all you want. Suddenly, if you're grabbing it without asking, now they're mad because they're like, hey, you're taking something that does not belong to you and you're not asking permission. And now I'm really ticked off. So that isn't always the case, but it... it uh, it's way, way better for you, your reputation, your peace of mind, your stress to just check in and ask and see where can you get something. Uh, typically now, I mean, back then, back in the old days, sometimes you'd have to like walk and look and start asking around to find out who owns what field and whatever. It could be a pain. But nowadays, oftentimes I'll just go on social media and say, hey, I'm looking to gather, you know, some wild grapes because I'm going to make jelly. Does anybody know if there's any wild grapes growing by anywhere that would give me permission to gather or elderberries or whatever. And there's almost people around that will just say, Hey, come on over to our place. We'd love to have you take as much as you want. We don't, we don't, we don't pick the blackberries. Go for it. And sometimes you go all the way over there and they're like, there's like maybe a, you know, a small yogurt container of blackberries. And you're like, okay, you know, somewhat helpful, not, not, not in the volume that I was looking for, but it's still good. But ultimately, you know, you can oftentimes luck out in that way. And it just starts to open and widen your circle. So ask before you gather and gather, you know, in places where you know that you're not hurting the environment where you're gathering. If you're also looking for materials to say you're making like a shelter or something, you need a lot of poles or whatever. Many times there's places where along the highway they are cutting brush and branches in a certain area and they'll just cut it and leave it laying down. Sometimes like in our area, they'll actually wood chip them. They'll chip it all. It'll all just be piles of chips there. But you can also go to a tree service place. Like if you can, you can call them or better yet, go and find out when they're going to be around and just show up. Oftentimes people that do a lot of tree surgery, tree cutting, they'll come in and actually like take a tree down in your yard so it doesn't like fall on your house or they get various jobs. They oftentimes have tons of wood, big giant stumps and stuff like that. Things that aren't really good for firewood or for lumber that they can sell. And they just have them laying there and they don't mind if they get rid of them. And especially if you go, Hey, for $20, can I take that big chunk of Oak and put that in my car and uh, use that for a Tomahawk target for my wilderness camp? And they're just like, Hey, go ahead, take it, you know, and they'll help you load it. And then you go here, here's a case of beer or Here's $20. I really appreciate it. This, this means a lot to me. So if you're looking for stumps or, you know, any kind of logs that make your play area really fun to crawl around in and be interesting, like tree people are awesome. And they'll actually look for things for you if you're and bring them back. If, if they know that you're looking for branches, they will say, hey, I'm cutting, you know, they'll call you and go, hey, I'm cutting a tree down. And it's got all the stuff that you're exactly looking for. Come on over. Uh, bring your pickup truck and you can take all the ones you want. That saves me from having to chip it. And they will they will do you a solid. So 
These are really good ways because they're already taking it anyway. So think about gathering these things and doing it carefully and getting that permission and getting things that were already cut anyway. All of these things all add up to um, helping you, especially if you're in an area where it's just hard to find materials. It is, it is definitely stressful, especially if you're a teacher, someone who's just getting into these wilderness skills stuff, earth skills, forest uh, education. That can be a real daunting thing because you're like, hey, I'm a teacher. I usually just get curriculum. I get curriculum online. I have books. Where, where do I get these materials? Like it's not in your wheelhouse to be thinking about materials in the same way that for me, I've been doing wilderness skills for forever. So I'm just constantly looking for sources of stuff at wherever I go, wherever I drive. I'm always just aware of that. You know, sometimes I'll see a pond right near the road or a little ditch and I'll just be like, oh, I need cattail fluff so I can make blowgun darts for a bunch of kids that I'm going to have later this year. And I'll just pull over, <laughs> pull a grocery bag out, grab 10 heads, stick them in the bag. And I'm like, okay, I'm set for blowgun dart fluff for the next five years. And you're, you're gone. You're in and out in like 30 seconds and you're on your way. And it's, you know, along the side of the road, typically you can take things that are from the side of the road for like the edge of the road to like 20 feet out to the edge. So the highway department, it's like the public right away. So if there's something out there, you can legally gather that. It's still a good idea to ask if there are people around though. So just to kind of like maybe pull this whole concept in, you know, gathering is, is it's not as easy as people who have really experienced will tell you. you. But once you start to crack the code, once you start to, you know, know who your, your homeboy is, who's going to like hook you up with branches, it gets easier. Once you know where there is a big ranch or a farm and they're like, come on out and take all the dog bane and milkweed and whatever, it gets easier. Once you start to know that there's a person that owns a, a, a little meadow by the river and there's tons of blackberries there, everything gets better. Because now you start to know what you're doing. It's like you go, oh, wow, hey, I discovered Michael's, you know, a craft store. Or, you know, you're just starting to know like, oh, hey, I did not realize I could get sandpaper at Lowe's, you know. And then you're just like, okay, I know where I can go get the things I need. So it just don't be afraid to ask people. I mean, ask other educators, hey, where do you get your stuff? Sometimes there's even people, I, I've done this before where I was like working with stones and uh, flint and I needed like a bunch of flint shards. And so I just put that onto the internet. Hey, any of you flint nappers, people that make arrowheads and make spears and knives and stuff, if you have any stuff, any nice shards that would be good for arrowheads for kids, would you please package up a box of it, put it in one of those flat rate boxes that, you know, you can put as much weight as you can. That was like, put it in there. I will pay for the postage and I'll pay you, you know, $30 or something extra. And sometimes those uh, flint nappers will turn around and just go, hey man, don't worry about it. I'm so happy that someone is using these stones. I picked out some beautiful ones for you. I have some like rainbow obsidian. I've got all these beautiful things. I'm packaging up. I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a bunch of buffalo sinew. Like they're just like super happy that they can help your program. And, and then I just will turn around and say, Hey, I really appreciate that. And they won't ask for anything in return. And, and, you know, you can still send them an Amazon gift card or, you know, <laughs> a cheesecake factory, uh, you know, for $30 or whatever. You can do something nice for them if you want to, too, which is a nice thing to do. But it's something that it's people are really generous, especially if it's something that they can do without too much effort and they know how important it is. Reach out, network, ask your community, 
don't be afraid to really ask the community, the village to support you. That's really key. All right. Well, that's enough for right now. I know there's a lot more I could talk about in terms of gathering and seasonal things. But for right now, let's just wrap this up and say, have a great year, have a great summer, whatever you're doing. Gather and do the best you can. Uh, send me a message if you if you found this helpful. Let me know if you are kind of thinking it through and you have some more questions. Shoot me a line. I'm happy to try to support you if I can. All right. Hey, get outside. Have fun. Thank you again, as always, for all the work you do. It's really appreciated. And we need you now more than ever. So thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.